are now going to flip over to our third speaker for the day. His name is Mufseen Mia, and he really brings his voice to an important topic. Mufseen, it's really exciting and important to have your voice at the table today. So welcome to the Difference Makers series, and we can't wait to hear from you. Perhaps to kick it off, as the former financial director of Pride in London, you could tell us about, about a bit about what Pride actually means and the importance that it's played in the community. Hi, uh, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Pride is uh, obviously an annual festival that happens in multiple cities um, and towns, uh, not just in the UK, you know, in, in, in many countries. And uh, you'll find that a lot of uh, modernised Pride uh, parades that happen uh, find their roots back in the 1960s, uh, late 1960s, and during the Stonewall riots in New York. Um, and that was really a protest at the time uh, fighting for kind of against injustice and like fighting for equality uh, for people with varying sexualities and, and gender. Um, and since the late 60s, uh, that's kind of how Pride today, as we know, has evolved in at least most Western uh, uh, countries. Um, Pride is still important for me because um, when you're a young LGBT person, uh, you, you don't really you may not know many other LGBT people, so it's really important to have that in you know, every year in, in the city or town near, near you so that you can uh, connect with similar people and kind of find your community and your chosen family. Um, it's really established here in the UK, in America, in, uh, in Ireland, in, in many uh, Western countries, um, and we're celebrating now 50 years in London uh, this year, so that's a great landmark to have. And whereas before um, we would be fighting for same-sex marriage, we, we have that now, which is great. Um, fighting for education for LGBT people in, um, in uh, LGBT representation in education. Um, that's great. And we still have a lot of kind of fights, fights and um, stuff to lobby for uh, in our countries. But in other countries, like it's not as well established. So, you know, my parents are from Bangladesh and there used to be a pride march there. And there isn't any more because of um, certain um, certain events, uh, and a lot of countries will look to established countries like us to um, kind of see a bit of a beacon of hope. And uh, it's really important to have that so that people can kind of advocate for their rights and celebrate their identities in, in every country. So this is like what pride is really important to me, uh, and so I kind of really care about equality and diversity uh, and inclusion for LGBT people, and it's kind of what I base a lot of my career on as well. Thank you so much for, for sharing that context with us. I think it's really helpful. Um, maybe you could also share with us just some practical tips that people can use mm. in the workplace to make people feel more included and accepted. Yes, so um, kind of practical tips for uh, kind of employee to employee, people you work with, your colleagues to, um, to make it more inclusive. Uh, I guess kind of the key thing with uh, diversity and inclusion, especially inclusion, is never to really make assumptions so, um, like, for example, if someone asks me, oh, wh where's my family from? I might say Bangladeshi. Um, you could assume that I'm Muslim because it's a country of 97% of people are Muslim. But uh, then you kind of, you know, it's just easier to ask because then what if I'm part of that 3% that isn't? Um, it's stuff like that. So I think that one of the key things about inclusion is never to assume, like always to ask in a very inclusive way and never to interrogate people. Um, and that's kind of like if you if you can learn that lesson, then you can fight against other stuff like um, unconscious bias and you know um, and hopefully make an environment that works well for all colleagues. 
Um, so that's kind of like my, one of my key practical tips is kind of uh, in order to be inclusive to work colleagues and uh, teammates is always always to never assume things. I really like that. That's very practical. I think goes hand in hand with keep an inquiring mind and, and just be open to listening rather than assuming. Yeah. So thank you. Um, I think it's still unfortunately quite a big deal to come out to your friends, your family and your community. So could you maybe talk to us a bit about the link between people's mental health and, and having to kind of hide their true identity? Yeah, so for um, most LGBT people, if not all, uh, we constantly have to come out because uh, the assumption is that we are all heterosexual or cisgendered. Um, so often, even a coming out can be quite casual. Like you just be like, "Oh, by the way," uh, and it's not a problem, or you know, it's very inclusive. But you're still having to do the act of coming out, and um, and when an LGBT person does that, we are always kind of surveying our environment to make sure it's a safe environment. Um, so it, it can play a lot into your mental health if you're constantly confronted with environments in which you aren't safe. Um, so actually a, a small acts of allyship from other people make a huge difference to uh, an employee's mental health in the workforce. Um, I did read recently like that um, LGBT people are twice as more likely to be lonely uh, and also 80% of trans individuals have considered self-harm. Uh, and that's quite true with a lot of mental health statistics with LGBT people and communities. Um, also, within within the LGBT spectrum, you have lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans. Um, mental health is actually and mental health issues are actually very high in bisexual people compared to other LGBT individuals. Um, and the cause and effect of that, I, I'm not sure, but um, it's just keeping in mind that when we're talking about mental health. Uh, for the workplace and for all, we're, we're talking about all individuals within the workforce because we want to value work mental health for everyone. Um, but it's especially important for LGBT individuals and other minorities as well. Oh, awesome. Thank you. So it's very, very valuable insights. And I'm a big, obviously, proponent of mental health being part of the Panda team. So hopefully we can, we can get to more of those communities. Um, you've been a big proponent of equality, diversity, and inclusion initiatives. So could you share a bit which of those have been impactful in your life and, and if you think the industry is doing enough in this area? Yeah. Um, so kind of a lot of pro bono work that I do is to help uh, LGBT charities and organizations using the skills I have as an accountant and uh, as a businessman. Um, and a lot of that is kind of like say arts and community projects, which help the uh, mental health of the LGBT people and build community spaces as well. Um, within work, um, I'm always um, supporting um, kind of LGBT initiatives and mental health initiatives um, and diversity initiatives. Um, but I have to give a lot of credit to the HR team at Little Dot Studios. Um, it's great to work for a company in which um, the HR team are very invested in EDNI networks. Um, so. We're, we're a company of eight years, so we're still setting up some networks, but um, there's always an open forum um, and transparency to say, hey, we want this network and the HR team help facilitate that. Um, so I, I, I honestly am I'm great, I'm very grateful to work for a company in which they prioritize that. And touching on the mental health question earlier, um, we do have, a mental, it's the first time I work for a company in which we have mental health first aiders and designated across the company, which they're your first port of call if you have a, a, you know, a mental health related issue and you want to talk to someone outside of your immediate team. Um, so having those kind of things set up really helps to 
build a, a supportive um, workplace. And recently, Little Dog also held um, in, events to kind of um, raise awareness about diversity and inclusion and that kind of the values of the company as well. Um, so it's, it's great to see that there's a lot of different things happening across the company by different people. Um, and I'd, I'd be silly to say that you know, I'd take credit for that. <laughs> well, that's great to hear and always inspiring to to see leaders in the industry. Um, talk to us a bit about your your podcast, Queer Talk. It's around sharing positive stories from the community and maybe just some context around whether you feel like homophobia and transphobia are increasing or decreasing in the UK at the moment. Yes. So um, during my time as finance director for Pride in London, I, I was very much always kind of bombarded with LGBT news, um, what's happening in the world, state of affairs. And um, what came to light was there's just a lot of homophobia and transphobia and seems to be increasing. I think statistically, uh, they have increased at least reported crimes by four or five times in the UK. Um, And I kind of see that sentiment across other countries as well. Um, So I think, yes, homophobia and transphobia are on the increase and it's horrible and unfortunate to say that. Uh, but this is why um, this is why I founded a Queer Talk podcast with my co-host Spencer is because uh, what we want to do is really inject back into the community kind of positive news stories, positive news and celebrate our community because a lot of um, LGBT rights and kind of you know, equality isn't there um, at the moment. But we also need to remind ourselves that differences are what makes us you know special um, you know we want diversity in a workplace but we also want to celebrate our differences you know and um, that's kind of why queer talk came about as a podcast we wanted a space to talk about that we've had guests on who talk about their individual their individual um, achievements and also we talk about positive news stories so in a recent episode uh, we've talked about how Tokyo have introduced same sex uh, they recognize same sex marriage now which is a great step forward for uh, Japan, but still in Japan as a national, um, at the national level, haven't recognized same sex marriage. So even a very well developed country is still, ha- there's still places that progress needs to happen in order to kind of reach that um, benchmark of what we would say is equal for everyone. Um, so, but we, we, we definitely focus on the, the positives in the, in the podcast and it's been great to make, um, it's been great to make that over the last couple of years. Well done to to you and your partner. I do you think it's it's very valuable to have those stories shared? Um, always, you know, it's it's good to have other people to identify with and and think that oh, that actually sounds like me. Um, yeah. So as you said, I mean, it's it's pretty shocking that the stats are actually on the rise when we talk about homophobia and transphobia. So what do you think government or, or industry could actually do and adopt as policies to fight discrimination and exclusion? Uh, yes. So one of the like very key issues, especially in the UK, is uh, banning gay conversion therapy. Um, like, so from my background, I am Muslim. Um, and uh, when I was growing up, there was a lot of um, uh, homophobic sentiments and um, the fact that you can be cured or something like that. So there needs to be a legal recognition that that kind of practice is not okay. Um, but the UK government keep uh, delaying that and, you know, it keeps getting shelved. And at some point we need to say, you know, if you really value diversity and inclusion and you really want um, homophobia and transphobia to go down in the country, you have to put a ban on gay conversion therapy in everywhere that it happens. Um, so, for example, the government needs to do that. LGBT charities are lobbying for that. 
But what employees, what employers can do is also advocate for that and um, send that message across to their workforce. Like, this is an issue that we care about. This is where our values lie. And we'd like all employees to also support this um, because it affects, uh, because it affects people within our company as well as our relatives and our friends. Um, and same with trans healthcare. Uh, we're very fortunate to have the NHS in the UK, but still, uh, trans individuals who need um, surgery or affirming uh, affirming uh, affirming operations are on six year waiting lists, and in order to go private, it's really unaffordable. Um, so, if companies and employers can support initiatives like that and put more pressure on governments um, to to make law um, more equal for people and accessible, then that would be great. That would be great to see. Thank you so much. Again, so important to have your voice and representing this issue today. We really appreciate you making the time and look forward to seeing your continued work. Mm-hmm.